Okay, welcome to our third podcast, Comics Karma. As you all know, I'm your host, John Perinci. And, you know, people must know that I'm already a comedian for, gosh, over 25 years. Actor, about the same time. Author of a book called What's a Little Wind, which I've been talking about in the other voice, uh, another podcast and things, and some of the voices. And a voiceover guy. <laughs> I do impressions, and uh, you know, just reading in the uh, on online that they found out that the uh, the new Star Wars movie is coming out in December, like December eighteenth, like a week before Christmas, end of this year. Isn't it great? I can't believe it. I mean, I was thinking the first time I saw Star Wars was nineteen seventy seven, and I've been doing compressions since I was nine years old, which <laughs> is going bust chops all the time. I'd walk around high school and do these characters. <laughs> I'll get mad and scream at uh, the teachers and act like Chewbacca. You know, go around and go to students and go, hey, give me your lunch money. Hey, cut that out. And then a few years later, of course, Yoda came out and I'd go up to some of my teachers and, hello, Miss Chambers, time for lunch? Oh, yes. Do you do not want homework? Oh. <laughs> of course, they would yell at me and say, John, stop that. Cut it out with those damn voices and those damn impressions and things. So, yeah, of course, I would go to school detention after that. But you know what? I had a few laughs. And now I just go and do this podcast talking to very funny and personable people who happen to be comics comedians and they get to share how they made others laugh learn and live a very good life a very special guest and a good friend I've known for over 10 years and haven't talked to him in gosh at least three or four years because he's been traveling and uh, you may have seen him on the very popular show Bones uh, Desperate Housewives ER and even Castle Castle's a great show uh I actually did uh, Castle last year. Played a mafia guy from the 1970s. Yes, it was a flashback scene. You know, I had to go around going, hey, hey, what's going on? Huh? 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 <laughs> Producer Lovey, the director, we had a good time. It was at uh, Paramount Studios. It's pretty amazing. So, um, so we're going to welcome uh, another good, good, uh, very good, funny comedian and a good, a good friend of mine again for you know for many, many years. Please welcome Mr. Lenny Schmidt. Hey, you didn't tell me I had to be funny and personable. <laughs> I thought it was an either or deal. That's not in the paperwork, man. <laughs> well, you got to do both. Ah, <laughs> crap. Can I say crap on here? Yes, you can say crap. Just <laughs> don't say the sh word. Yeah. Oh, all right. <clears throat> we got to go over your language guidelines on these on your podcast before we start. <laughs> I should have. I didn't see the memo. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, exactly. So it's very cool to see you. Like I said, it's been many, many years since I've uh, hung out with you and everything. We, used to we said three years, three or four years in yeah. El Pollo Loco. Yeah, exactly. Where we saw each other. Yeah, like Pollo Loco, that's when we saw you. God, what was that? I don't know, seven, eight years ago. It was a long time like ago. That. I was feeding my kids because I'm a good exactly. father. That's where I take them, El Pollo Loco. Exactly. Not I love El Pollo Loco. I go there all the time. El Pollo Loco is good food, man. It's good stuff, man. Chicken, Pollo Loco. How you doing, man? All right. Have some burritos. Have a salad. A me, Maria, come on. 
Yeah, I freaking love it, man. It's good stuff. But, um, you know, I know you've been around for quite a long time, and um, but you never really told me, Lenny, how you got started in comedy. How, how, how did that all start up? I, you know what? Uh, I started doing comedy after, uh, I always thought about doing comedy. Uh, when I grew up, I always thought about it. I used to write down routines to mm-hmm. go to middle school, and I would have a whole list of jokes I would do throughout the day I'm like and Dawn I was made fun of this girl Dawn I always remember Dawn was like the butt of all my jokes I would be like make fun of Dawn, Dawn. third period make fun of Dawn okay <laughs> and I would have all these things written down I would check them off like alright alright right. so I always wanted to be I always wanted to be funny and uh, it, where it came from really I think was I grew up with a great sense of humor my mom had a phenomenal sense of humor as did all my brothers mm. we didn't have the so greatest mom, yeah, yeah we, had, we didn't have the greatest uh Upbringing. I mean, my mom had it hard. She raised five boys by herself. You know, my dad was... Wow, uh, five boys. Yeah, my dad was a Jeez. real bad... Uh, he was a bad drunk, man. And he died when I was... They got divorced, <clears> and uh, she got the... She got the... Man, she got the, the guts to leave him with five kids. Wow. And uh, and the hardest... Here was, I didn't even mention this. The hardest thing about was... We lived in the south side of Chicago in this house that was owned by my grandparents. It was my dad's parents. Mm-hmm. And when Chicago. my... You know, my dad... When my mom kicked my dad out, my grandfather kicked us out. So wow. we were home. My mom and my four brothers, we were all homeless. We lived in the south side of Chicago with nowhere to go. Oh, my god! We lived in a car. I mean, we, it was really messed up. So, wow, I mean, south side of Chicago. I mean, we went through some bad stuff. But the reason, the whole, get back to the comedy thing, my mom always had, she had a great sense of humor about everything. She made, would make fun of the crappy things that happened. No matter how bad things were, my mom could always find a yeah. way to make fun of it. And she was a huge... Uh, she loved uh, old comedy albums. She listened to all that old uh, Flip Wilson. She was a huge fan of Flip Wilson and Bob oh, Newhart. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I grew up listening to Richard Pryor when I was a kid. My mom mm-hmm. was really... And my mom was always... She had a real a hip taste <clears throat> in comedy, too. You know what I mean? So she would yeah. listen to a lot of stuff that was really hip. So I got educated early at, some really, at a really cool age at some great uh, comedy. But I didn't start doing it. I didn't put it into fruition, if that's the right phrase. I didn't put it into it until in 86... Uh, Mm-hmm. I was in. I had moved to LA after just out of high out of high school. I was in the restaurant oh, really? business. You moved you that, that long, long ago. Yeah, it was, I didn't know that. I yeah. Well, like I went back to Chicago after. Okay. I went back because I I started I started comedy in '86, and it was right. I saw Kinnison live at the Comedy Store, and I started. Right, doing, I saw him at Yuck Yucks in right. Rochester, New York. Yeah, I saw Sam like a, I started doing comedy Pretty a week cool. later. Yeah, yeah. So uh, and then I, I eventually moved back to Chicago. I, I lived on the road all through the eighties, late eighties and the nineties. Okay. I worked the road, and I went back to Chicago and studied improv. So I studied improv in Chicago, and then ended up back here in LA in ninety nine, with my uh, with my wife, who was I studied improv with in Chicago. Okay. So that's where I started. It came from a family thing. My brother is still the funniest person in my family. Is not a comic. He's my brother Glenn, mm-hmm. but he could never do stand up. He would. He would. He would snap. You know, he just couldn't. <laughs> right. He couldn't stand in front of a room full of people and make them, you know, make them laugh. Because there's a difference between, you know, being funny on the cuff course, and being yeah. able to entertain a room full of people for 30 minutes every night, you know. Of course, so, yeah. And so I, my brother, I just learned to market that into a skill and make money from it. So, but uh, I think it always came from, and the one thing I can say about myself as a comic is, this, is the act I do now is exactly the act I set out to do 27 years ago when I started. Really, and it's really I just it's an over amplification of me myself my mistakes and the hard things I've been through, and I try to associate with people in the audience by telling stories. Mm-hmm. That's really what my stand up comes down to. 
Oh, yes, that, and then I work the room a lot. I work the room, and I'm a little, I'm a little energetic. But yeah, those two qualities together is kind of, is kind of what I do. So I've always, I've always learned to make fun of the crappiest thing that's ever happened to me. You know, <laughs> I mean, the, Richard Pryor was the best at that. He would, he would, yeah. he had some crappy stories growing up. Oh yeah, and he yeah. would tell those stories, and I was so mesmerized that he could take such a traumatic experience and make it funny <laughs> to, to me. And I would laugh, and then you're like, and I, I always wanted to do that. So I take a lot of the things that really bad that happened to me that I just make fun of them, you know? You know, it's funny. that this kind of uh, most comedians, you're right. If you start off a long time ago, 25, 30 years ago, and you have this kind of, um, you know, voice that you want to do, yours is stories, and, of course, mine was always impressions. And um, I started some rooms in Miami, Florida, and you know they were most of the people in Miami are all Cuban, as you probably know. <laughs> so sometimes I do my whole act like Al Pacino from Scarface, you know. Hey, do you want to go bowling and use those freaking shoes that five hundred guys wore? What? Huh? No way, you cockroach! Screw that! <laughs> oh my God! Can you say cockroach in this podcast? Yes, you can okay. say cockroach. I just <laughs> Joke crazy, man. Joke crazy. <laughs> but yeah, it was uh, it was nuts back then. Yeah, doing voices and everything. Then you, uh, so then I guess you were doing the the stand up, and then uh, you you met your wife. Uh, yeah, I met uh, she in improv, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah, I met her in improv. It was a true stand up when I met her, and I'd been on the road working for t- maybe 10, 12 years. And then when I met her, wow. we started doing. I started doing improv, and she really helped get me into acting more. I did more. A lot more acting after I met her. I started to act in Chicago. I did commercials in Chicago. I did mm-hmm. uh, short films, and I got to a point where I was writing and directing our, our own sketch shows back in Chicago too. It was a great comedy city. Oh wow! Chicago is a great development city for stage for stage comedy. It's awesome. Well, that's what the the uh, started off the um, the famous uh, uh, Chicago groups started off there. So, well, second, yeah, second city is the second, big thing. Yeah, My wife studied city, second city and a few other ones. Yeah, but second. Right, we stu- second I studied city. the I.O. or the Improv Olympic, which is with uh, Del Close, and my wife ended up oh, in, in that Olympics. class as well. Yeah, I took that too. And yeah. then there was the uh, 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 then there was the Annoyance in Chicago at the time, which is a great one. I think it was Mick Napier that ran that. the The Improv community in Chicago was really phenomenal. It was yeah. great. It was great. It was such great. And a lot of those guys now, I mean, they moved on. They've done. I mean, there's some pretty, you know, Neil Flynn who. Uh, Neil Flynn, who, who were, he's on the show. The uh, I forget what that is. He's the he, God, he's been in a ton of stuff. Well, he was the janitor on Scrubs, but he moved on. Now he's the husband on oh. the Middle. That's it. Okay. You know, Patricia Hurst is that her name? I correct? think so. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And he's great. He's a phenomenal improviser. But he, he they came from the group called the Family, which was uh, him, Adam McKay, who works with Will Ferrell now, uh, Matt Besser, that uh, has has started the uh, Citizen uh, Upright Citizens Brigade in New York. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was uh, man. There's some great groundbreaking guys to to learn from in wow. Chicago. It was a really awesome time. Back That's then. incredible. Yeah, it was pretty neat. So, but yeah, so I she got me into acting more, and then um, we moved to we eventually moved to L.A. in '99, and uh, I kind of got to I kind of got to the point where I didn't work the road as much anymore. I really mm-hmm. was in, in fact I, I did I for I had a writing gig for two years where I did that where we had pitch shows to to some networks and stuff, and that was I met. Some great people there. That was really close with KP Anderson, who's now the showrunner over at the Soup. 
Okay, uh, yeah. Chris McGuire, that was the uh, head writer over at the Arsenio Hall show. Okay. Both really talented, funny guys. Steve Seagren, one of the best comics ever to come out of Chicago, I think. You know Steve? Yeah, I Steve think. and I are best friends. He's, Are you really? Of course. I didn't know that. I know he's, Steve. Uh, my, he's my oldest daughter's godfather. you got to be kidding me. Oh, I've known yeah. Steve for freaking uh, ten, 10 years. Yeah, he did. Uh, he, was, he worked he, with you he, on he's phonies, He's on phonies. Right? Yeah. yeah, he did phonies with me. <laughs> yeah, he worked with you on that. Oh, yeah, my God. Steve That's and great. I, before Steve. I haven't seen him in a long time either. I was just I, thinking about him the other day. I, just, I went to the improv and used to hang out there. Yeah, he hasn't been there and in he a doesn't, while. He, yeah, Eddie, you know, the, the bartender yeah. there. And I said, I said, Eddie, ever see Steve? He goes, no, John, Steve doesn't come around that much anymore. I said, you got to be kidding me. So. Yeah, no, I just saw Steve uh, last weekend. We yeah. talk all the time. Yeah, he's, uh, he's we talk good? a lot during football season. He's doing great. He had a yeah. really bad heart attack a few years ago. That's right, he did. Really bad. That's, but he's, right. Uh, That's right. He's doing great, though. I met his daughter. Uh, we mm-hmm. went out to dinner last uh, last month, two months ago, or whatever. But yeah, we, when, we, when we started, before we moved, both moved to L.A., Steve and I, we used to live in Chicago, and we worked at the Chicago circuit. Oh. And we used to uh, we used to plan our road trips around the Bulls' uh, playoff schedule. <laughs> that Bulls. Yeah, because that's back really? when Jordan was there. And that's, that's right. our sixth title. So we would literally sit down and be like, where are you going to be in June? Do you want Are you going to be on the road for the parade, or are you going to be here for the <laughs> games? And we were always like, Steve and I were always like, well, I'd rather see the games. We can skip the parades. <laughs> so we'd have this conversation in front of a buddy from Detroit once, and he's yeah. like, what are you guys talking about? And this is before the basketball. He's like, I go, well, the Bulls, the, when they win the finals. He's like, don't you think you're getting ahead of yourself? And we're like, no, not at all, actually. We don't think we're getting, <laughs> yeah. for sure. And we were right. Jordan, they won every title when Jordan was there. Uh, that's funny. Those Steve. are good old days, yeah, man. man. Those were great it's... Chicago years, man. They were really cool. And it seems funny. Every time he goes on stage, he, he, he has a drink in his hand. And yeah. <laughs> Copscotch, brother. Cop, exactly. <laughs> that, that's his email. Yeah. Copscotch at yeah. AOL or something like that. Yeah. Funny. I'm Copscotch. I'm Copscotch. Uh. <laughs> I'm a cop with a scotch. Right. That's it. Cop with a scotch. Exactly. <laughs> Who is the man? Oh, he's so funny. He is one of the funniest comics. Yeah, he is I've pretty funny, man. I haven't seen him in a long time, but he's he pretty funny. That's pretty cool. That, hey, we're spending uh, most of our podcast talking about Steve Seagren. I think that's enough Seagren. For yeah, me. I think that's enough. Yeah. <laughs> enough, sorry, Steve, but uh, you know, we like you, but you're out of here, okay? You're done, you're done. You're done, you're freaking done. So, um, so yeah, so you met your wife and, 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 got, and uh, through improv and you got married and, you know, and all that. And uh, um, and she was into, you know, she kind of supported you and all that. And then... Uh, what kind of happened after that? I guess you... Well, what happened was she... Because I had always been... We were never in a point where I was a struggling artist with her because I was already an established stand-up on the road when I met her. Okay. So right when we moved to L.A., we had like one year that was, things were kind of tough getting adjusted, but then I got a writing gig pretty quick. And then mm-hmm. I, I had two years of a writing gig. And then I had a three-year run of commercials, right? A ton of commercials that ran. Oh, okay. So for a while she wasn't working and, you know, and then eventually she kind of, she found a job at, uh, uh, at a, what happened was she found a job at a, uh, at a bank. She just worked during the home loan industry. She got out of the uh, acting industry oh, okay. and got into banking. And after we had kids, I stopped working the road. I stayed in LA. And at yeah. that point is when I was doing a lot of TV stuff. I had the roles on uh, True Blood and, and all the HBO stuff and Big Love and the recurrings, and then I had an MTV show for a year, and I mean, I had a, a run where I was doing mainly acting and no stand-up, barely at all. Hmm. And it wasn't until um, the marriage started to fall apart and things didn't go so well uh, when she filed for divorce is when I went back out on the road and started mm-hmm. doing cruise ships because it just the timing was just perfect. It was like, first of all, divorce is expensive, you know. Yeah. Costs, you know, those lawyers are 
They're, yeah, it's very, they're, very expensive. They're, they're cockroaches, right? Very expensive, okay. yeah. Yeah, so uh, that basically, uh, this lip, the ship gig fell in my lap, and somebody said, you want to go do the ships? And I was like, uh, yeah. And then since then, now, I've been working... I've been working the road a ton. A lot of last year, you know, the last three months of last year, I now, was. Doing, how did you get through the? I mean, I heard to try to get on ships is really hard. It's extremely hard. I got you know what right place right there's time. Thousands man. of guys that want to do it. And, I just uh, got I got I got lucky. I was right place right time, and they're in a point. Who now was the first one? What was the first uh, uh, cruise? That they're you all. Had? All I do is Carnival. Oh, that's this it. is the only one I work for. Okay. And I like Carnival because they're crowds. You don't do Royal Caribbean, none of that? No, like, I haven't got in with... Or... Uh, well, I have. I would do them, but they're a different style of ship and show. Like Carnival, the crowds skew younger and hipper. So oh, okay. they're a lot more... Sometimes they're, they're a lot more... The general rule of thumb is the longer the cruise, the older the crowd is. Oh. So the, but the Carnival is a lot of three-day cruises. Yeah, you're right. Three days, yeah. Yeah, so I work those a lot. And the key to surviving on the ships, especially for Carnival now, is you got to do both... A clean show and an adult show. Exactly. And a clean show earlier in the night and an adult show later on in the night. Right. right. And right. you rotate. Like right now, each cruise, I rotate five different 30-minute shows. So I do two different 30-minute clean and three different 30-minute adults. Mm-hmm. And each cruise, I rotate those in and out. So that's what I do. And sometimes I'll repeat a show just if I'm working on a bit because I want to do a bit twice. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, you know, you're rotating. It's a lot of material. So you've got yeah. to adjust to be able – the guys have a lot of trouble with those clean shows sometimes because there's kids in the room. Right. And I like I taught comedy to kids at my daughter's school. When they when they were still here, I was teaching comedy and improv at their school. We did, I did a big show, and I work, I've been working with kids for years. So huh. with kids in the room – So that's good. So you're used to it. Then. Yeah, I have no problem doing a clean show. I, I like clean comedy anyways, to be honest with you. Better than, than dirty. Yeah? You know, yeah. I well, really I like do. either or, man. Dirty. You know, that house, Seinfeld, you know, and yeah. Cosby thing. And I'm old Yeah, school. Cosby. He's great. Clean example right now. Yeah. That's a great. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the old Cosby. Oh, that one. Okay. Right. From 1970s and 80s. Not the Cosby now. <laughs> so. Apparently, that Cosby in the 70s and 80s was packing, too. And apparently, too. Yeah, we, we didn't know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's funny. I wonder. I Speaking of uh, comedy, I remember opening for um, Andrew Dice Clay before he was Andrew Dice Clay. Yeah, we I mean, were talking many years ago, and was he and going I, by Silverstein or was he? I think so. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure he was going by Silverstein. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and uh, I still see him. I remember it was like '86, '87, something like that, and and I'm opening for him, and he's and he's not doing the whole thing. Oh, let me tell you this, you know, and I, but I don't think sure. He, I'm not sure if he had the old leather jacket and that whole thing, but. Still funny. I remember, remember him. Good old Andrew Dice Clay. Oh, that's funny how they started. <laughs> <laughs> I remember following him in the comedy store when I moved to L.A. in 89. It was 89 or 90, right around there. And it was at the heat of him being Dice. He was already yeah. in. It was after Sam was big. Yeah, it was huge. So huge. Uh, he yeah. goes up before me in the original room, and then I have to go up after him. And it was just a nightmare. It was not. I mean, I've been doing comedy about a year or two. Yeah, you know? <laughs> it was I can not imagine. Pretty. It was really ugly. Apparently, he's a regular at the comedy stores, but he hurts. He hangs. He, was, he's, he, he hangs out there too. He was hanging. At the oh, that's hop right. He went used to. Yeah, he lives yeah. over that way. That's right. That's right. So you went through that. You went through, um, you know, through the divorce. You were kind of mentioning a little bit about that. And uh, yeah, the divorce rocked my world, bro. Because I, I had totally, I had totally gotten to a pretty comfortable point. Where I'm like, I figured I wasn't. I really thought it was like stand up was behind me. I thought mm-hmm. I'm gonna just I'm gonna be an actor. That was my goal is to move into acting more and and and, and be here for the kids and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then when the divorce came, everything got turned upside down, like completely. 
Yeah. You know, so everything I thought was was real was gone, like, yeah. within a week. And it, I had a huge problem with it. I mean, I couldn't sleep. I was a mess for a long time. Yeah, I can imagine. So, I can imagine. I mean, and, and that pain, it was just, the pain was just so hard. And that's when I really started getting into, um, I went to a lot of therapy, man. And I really started really? to study yeah. and focus on a couple of things. One is, uh, the, I read The Power of Now, which is a pretty good book. But I also got involved in something that was called The Sedona Method, which is a way to deal with internal pain that you go through in life, emotional pain, and how to how to handle it. And it's mm-hmm. how to, it's not how, it's not about ignoring it or, or, or anything like that. It's about mm-hmm. learning as, as a human being, you're gonna feel pain sometimes. It happens. You know, you're gonna have this pain. You have to acknowledge that pain. Mm-hmm. You have to embrace that pain. Right. And then you have to let Just that pain go. go. It, yeah. yeah, and you gotta let this naturally flow its course through you. So many people stay miserable for years over something yeah. and they hang on to something, but it's really their choice to stay miserable. Right. And it's not to belittle the pain they're in. But if you can make a conscious decision to let that pain go, you can actually do that. Right. You know, right. and right. that's and that's called that's part of the Sedona method. You let it go and you move on. Everything's about letting go, letting it go and and moving on. Letting go is so important, man. You know, living in the now or being in the moment or living day by day has <laughs> to do with has to do with letting pain go just as much as not expecting certain things out of your day. Do you know what I mean? Right, right, right. right. Like certain people right. get frustrated. That's why people get so mad on the freeway. They're running late. Well, right. That's you know, one of the dumbest things in the world to do. I used to do it right. all the time is to yell at traffic, dude, because they're not moving. They're not going anywhere. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, it's just, it's you're late. Deal with it. Just relax and yeah, turn up the radio. True, true. Yeah, I got stuck in traffic last night, you know. And uh, yeah, I said a few words, but not, nothing like I used to. Yeah. Uh, more more mellow now, you know. It's like, get out of the way. Okay, okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, just, I play uh, yeah, this. Mellow, mellow it out a lot, you know? Yeah, you get, well, age does it's that true. too, bro. You get it's tired true, of man. It. It's like, oh, my God. And the yelling doesn't yelling get you screen. anywhere. It doesn't get I mean? you anywhere. It just it's gets true. you worked up and angry, and it doesn't help your physiological makeup either. Right. Because now your heart's worked up and your blood's worked up. And all oh, why? Because you're sitting in a car. That's the dumbest thing in the world. <laughs> you know what I mean? True. Yeah, it is. So true. So that was kind of the emotional part of uh, what you went through. Then... Um, Wow, uh, you told me that you had this is pretty serious. You had uh, health issues and brain cancer. Oh no, not brain. You said no, not brain cancer. Brain. I had a bad. I got hurt shooting an episode of Bones, and I got a contusion, a, a multiple. Oh, like that's a, what. It was. Okay. Yeah, like a concussion. Like or not me. contusion. <laughs> it was a concussion. Wow. It was like a major. It was a really bad. They called it the hemo. I can't remember what the hell it's called, but um. Uh, I got injured really bad on Bones. I was doing, there were some stunts involved in the episode of Bones I was in. And one of the stunts, was, at the end of the episode, David kicks in the door and shoots me. And I'm, so I'm all loaded up with the fake blood and mm-hmm. ready mm-hmm. to go. And they go, well, let's walk through it. And I'm like, all right. Now I had a stunt guy there that was going to, that was doing all, it was available to do my stunts if I needed him. Mm-hmm. And I was, the whole episode, I was like, no, I'll, I'll do them. I, I did everything. I ran through a shelf. I did a lot of crap where I banged myself off a little bit. It wasn't major, but... One of them was I get shot and I'm supposed to fall backwards when he shoots me. Mm-hmm. So they're, when they throw, when they do this, you're surrounded by people and they throw a mat under you so All you right. can throw them. So, well, David, we go, let's walk through it. Fine. So David kicks in the door, points at me. I throw myself backwards and I hear somebody scream, no. 
And I'm like, I have no idea <laughs> no. who's no. yelling or why. And I hit the ground, and he forgot to throw the mat. Oh, no. So my head just slams into the concrete. Oh, man, concrete. And Jeez. I lay there, and I remember Ian Toynton was the director for that episode, who also was one of the exec producers of the show, or one of the producers of the show. Oh, and my he's God. got an English guy, and all I remember, the, the studio, entire studio. What's going on? No, it was dead <laughs> silent. And all you heard was him go, Lenny. You know, he just goes, Oh Lord, that's it. That's all I heard in the distance was him going, "Oh Lord," and I sat up and he comes out. He's like, "Are you all right?" And I go, I, "Yeah, yeah." I, I can't believe it. Do that oh, now. And the new guy oh, was like, "I apologize. I'm sorry." And blah blah blah. But I, and I finished the shoot. I finished the shoot, and I left that night. And I had to go to the airport and fly right to Chicago because my uh-huh. mother-in-law passed away that weekend. So I flew to Chicago, uh, and after two, three, and my kids were there with my ex at the time. We we're still married, and they were living in LA, but they were back for vacation. Yeah. And <laughs> unfortunately, my mother-in-law passed away during the vacation. Oh. And while I was there, I started getting. I was just lightheaded. I didn't feel good, man. I was out of it, and I, I was like, man, I don't feel good. And I went to the hospital, and they ran an X-ray, and and uh, so you told them to take you take you to the hospital. I had to. Yeah, we were at the mall with my ex and my kids, and I told I said to my ex, and I go, I gotta go to the hospital. I don't feel. This right. is like what a few hours later or something. This like was that? three days later. Three days later. Yeah, Jeez. it was three days later, and I was walking around. Apparently, the concussion was so bad that my head was filling up with blood. So when they brought me into the hospital, I they had. They ran the CAT scan, and I'm laying in a bed, and then all of a sudden, like, eight people run in and start hooking me up to stuff, like, and there's panic, and I'm like, what's going on? And they go, we have to re- prep you for surgery right away. You got to go in. You have this, your brain swelling. There's blood. Mm. If we don't do it, there's going to be brain damage. And I'm like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> and my kids are freaking out because they just spent two weeks in the hospital with their grandmother, who, who was in a hospital strapped up to the very same hospital, hooked up the machines, and mm. then suddenly, and then she died. Now these guys come and hook me up to machines, oh. and my kids were really young at the time. It was just was a very scary moment for my daughters, and I, you wow. know, so I talked. To them, I was like, "Well, can we? Do we have to do surgery?" And the doctor was like, "And everyone was there, and they go, well, we're going to monitor you, monitor you on an hourly basis, and if it doesn't reverse or the swelling doesn't go down immediately, we're going to have to go in there tonight and at least drill some holes in your skull." Oh my god! And I go, "All right." So after an hour, they go, "Well, the swelling has stopped." Another hour, they said the swelling still stops, and another hour later, they're like, it's starting to come down. And I go, okay, good. So they left me. I stayed in the hospital for like a day or two for mm-hmm. surveillance, uh, but they didn't have to have surgery. So, oh. and uh, the doctor, and You're I saw a great man. brain doctor. I saw this guy that was really, you know, it, 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 in the long run, I was fine, but man. So it was like a serious thing. Was, you really thought it was a serious Yeah, uh, well, I had a terrible headache for six months. I'm not kidding you. I mean, it was really? a major, yeah, for months, man. My head was killing me. I mean, oh it was God. really, it was really painful. Yeah, I slammed my head in concrete, man. <laughs> like, oh you know what I mean? I figured it wouldn't last all those months, though. I'm like an Maybe. idiot. I walk out of there going, no, nah, I'm fine. You know, that typical <laughs> tough guy. That's nothing. Damn good. It's nothing. Yeah, screw this. I was lucky, man. And then, was... and then I got a, you know, in a plane, which is a terrible thing to do after a head injury. <laughs> I didn't even think about any in of that. <laughs> and the doctor was like, you flew here? And I go, yeah. He's like, you... You are not the smartest man I've ever met. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I just, not the smartest man you've ever met. <laughs> I wasn't. I didn't put any of that together. <laughs> oh, my God. That's but crazy. in the long run, I mean, I'm all, I'm good. I'm fine. It's all, it was a scary wow. time, and uh, and they just re-aired the episode last week. So I'm still getting residuals on that. So oh, really? there you go. <laughs> That's funny. So then, so that happened to you on, on the show Bones. That was just amazing. Mm-hmm. Um... And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who are not close to their family. 
um, other mom. I guess you told me the same thing, but uh, I we are now. My mom's going through. Uh, she's gone through some cancer stuff this last year. Mm-hmm. Some and uh, you know what? This a lot of this goes back to what I was saying earlier when I talked about the the pain and letting yeah. things go and moving on. Yeah. I reached a point after it was twelve years into my oldest daughter's life, and my mom had never met her or even talked to her. And I was, and this is after the divorce. Wow. This is after I've been through therapy and after I've been through a lot of stuff. And it was a lot of anger in my family about just fighting one thing or another. And, and at one point, I just, I, I, I mean, like, screw it. I called my mom and said, "Hey, you know what?" I go, "My daughter's twelve, and I want her. I want you to be part of her life." I go, "This is stupid." I go, "Is, wow, there, is, is there anything we and can do?" This is after so many years of not talking. Yeah, it was to after her. twelve years. Twelve years. Yeah, and Amazing. I go, "Is there anything we can do?" So your mom never saw your daughter when she was born. No, she didn't see her till she was. She saw pictures until of like her last year or something. Like that. Yeah, she didn't see my my kids till they were twelve and nine. Wow. Yeah, it was. Uh, my, there's a lot of anger in my family. Boy, probably. There's a lot of. I think as we're man. getting older, a lot of it we're letting go of a lot of it. Like I know, I've I've let go a ton of it. My youngest brother Scott used to have be a lot angrier too. Mm-hmm. And I think as you get older, I guess as you get older, you learn that life is. Once you start getting to the other end, you realize life is short, and some things yeah. are stupid <laughs> to hang on to. Yeah, you're telling me. Yeah, and it's just you know. So and now I have a great relationship with my mom. Uh, you know, I don't get to see her as much. She lives in Florida during the winter and Illinois during the summer. What part of Florida? Uh, it's in Venice, Florida, which is just north of Tampa. Okay. Yeah. So and actually, I was lucky enough to last time she had surgery earlier this year, and I flew in. To go get on a ship, and I got it. I came in early, rented a car, and drove up and spent some time with her before she went to the hospital. Yeah, my mom lives in. uh, She's a snowbird, you know. Yeah, lives my mom's doing the same thing. Yeah, Miami, lives in North Miami Beach. Yeah, and um, you know, pretty close to my mom. And but uh, they love that Florida. Those old people, man. They love that Florida, man. It's like. uh, You know, there's, there's a law you have to be over 75 uh, to live there. My stepfather loves oh, it. Oh he's Scott. Because he, oh, he's man. a big gun guy, too. So he goes outside and he can hunt and shoot and do a lot of stuff in yeah, Florida. I literally know. go swimming, okay, when I, when I, when I go down the visit to my uh, my mom and over the years and my parents, they have a condo there. They bought it, oh, God, 30 years ago. And I would hang out and swim and... You see these old Jewish women just hang out there. Hello, how are you? Yeah. Albert, let's go. Let's go for the. Let's have some food. Come on. Let's go for the oily blade. Seven ninety nine. You know. <laughs> and I, and I, I jump inside the. Uh, I jump in the water, and I say, "Excuse me, excuse me, you're splashing, young man." And she yelled at her husband, and he say, "Ah, leave him alone. Why? Come on." Let him freaking go. Let him. Who cares? Ah, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> That's what he used to do with that stuff. What are you doing flashing the old people at the place, man? <laughs> you know, when yeah. you show up at those retirement homes, those like my mom lives in one of those trailer communities where her sister lives around stuff. When you show up, the old people start showing up like they're birds. You know what <laughs> yes, I mean? When yeah. there's a grant, there's a son in town, and you turn around, <laughs> and you look, and there's like 20 old people staring at you. Like, yeah. oh, hey, how are you? Hi, how are you? What's so you're the on? oldest. Yeah, I'm the, the actor. Yeah, I'm the... Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're an actor, huh? <laughs> wow. You know, well, I got to go now. <laughs> I remember I remember back in the 1920s, I wanted to be an actor. Oh, my God. Yeah, talkies. And talkies came the talkies. in my... Talkies. <laughs> talkies came. My, my whole career died. Hey. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, my mom was pretty hysterical. So you said your mom... Uh, love listening to the albums you said. Yeah, that. she was a huge. Uh, she was. I meant she was into Bob. Bob Newhart. She listened to everything, but she was really. She really. She got me into Monty Python big time too. She had a big taste for English humor. She loved a lot of that. Uh, 
uh, anything that John Cleese did. She was a huge fan mm-hmm. of uh, Flip Wilson and Monty Geraldine Python. and all that stuff. So yeah, she was. Uh, she really. And dude, who is the guy that did the uh, the Kennedy stuff? I can't remember that was. My mom was into that too. Which they would do a oh, thing about the the so-called royal family. Oh Kenya. yeah, yeah, I forgot Camelot. his name. Yes, yes, yeah. right. I know you. So my mom it. was really into that stuff. Yeah, I forgot his name. Yeah, she yeah. had a really hip taste for comedy. Even Dick Gregory, some of that stuff. She listened really? to a lot. Yeah, I mean she. Wow. She really. She's got to be a big reason. Benny Hill. She, like she watched Benny Hill. Was Benny. He was crazy. I not, wasn't crazy about Benny he Hill. Was like, he was a lot more... Too much. Like, thir- thir- three Stooges slapstick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but she was yeah, really ch- into ch- ch- uh, all the John Cleese stuff and the head. The, the two Ronnies was a group of guys, a couple of guys who were really good. They were, they did a lot of edgy stuff and uh, and they're just a weird, weird show. Monty Python and uh, all the Monty Python. I used to love Monty Python. Boy, they were great, man. She man. really got me into all that stuff. But she, yeah, she had a good taste for all that stuff, man. That's... Uh, it was cool, man, and uh, and she was also a big Elvis fan. Thank on top you. of that, <laughs> thank you very much. Yeah. All right, here we go. This is, this is Lenny's mom. <laughs> Hello, time to go. Come on, have a soon. <laughs> have a laugh on me. So, so they so yeah, like your mom and my mom. My mom influenced me, and she still makes me laugh. I mean, God, she's you know older now in her eighties, and uh, and I talk to her, and she cracks me up. It's amazing. Yeah, you know, it's just. It's like yes, mom. That's where I got the. That's where I got it from, you know. And, um, but you know, this everyone um, thinks that uh, you know being an actor is great and all that, uh, and uh, having fame and fortune. But uh, when I moved out here about uh, 1998, I was came from Miami, and uh, I was moved out here. My uh, friend, I was introduced to a guy named Xavier, and we used to call him X. And he said, uh, hey, John, I'm moving out to L.A. Uh, you're moving out to L.A. too? I said, yeah, so let's be roommates. I go, really? Okay, and this guy was pretty connected. He knew everybody, and he was a producer, and he was a major actor, and top shows. He played at General Hospital and top movies and things like that. And, you know, he had money, and he had women, and we lived together for about, uh, gosh, about two years. And, and Lenny, he was the nicest guy. You know, it was cool to hang out with him. Um, until he drank. And I tell you that he would just turn into a freaking creature. I mean, he had, he threw up and he had uh, ulcers like in the middle, like two, three, four times a day. Then I found out I caught him with drugs, cocaine, he smoked, and he just didn't care. You know, it's it's like, X, why don't you take care of yourself, man? Oh, shut up. I'm having a drink. He had a drink. And then the next day, we'd hang out, and he wouldn't be drinking. And he'd be like, so cool. Hey, John, let's go get something to eat and all that stuff. Just a really nice guy. Mm-hmm. You know? And then, I, then he said, he says, hey, John, let me show you some pictures of me back about 20 years ago. Now, remember, this is like 1988 back then for him. And I saw him, and I said, come on. Is this really you? He goes, yeah. So he was really thin, and he rode his bike. 20 miles a week from the valley to Santa to Santa Monica and back like 20, 30, 40 miles at a time amazing and uh, I said oh my god why don't you get back to it and he tried to get back to it and he just he just couldn't uh, finally he ended up taking money from people and he lied and he took money from me he tried to start a production company called you know, Event United 
And the word got around that he was just not treating people good. He wasn't treating me good. And I said, you know what? I need to get out of this negativity. I need to get away from the drugs and the alcohol and all that kind of thing. And um, finally I said, you know what? I'm out of here. I moved. He ended up living with some other guy. Then I found out that he just couldn't handle it anymore. He wasn't close to his parents or anything like that. To his mom, you know, passed away. His dad was cheating and so on, all that. And I finally um, uh, moved to uh, back to Miami, and uh, uh, didn't talk to him for many, many years. I called a friend of mine, uh, Wes. I said, "Hey, have you heard from Xavier?" He goes, "You didn't hear?" I go, "No." He goes, "He passed away." <sighs> really? How? Well, he's in the. He had a kidney failure. I said, "Well, there you go." And yeah, that's that's the that's the drinking and the drugs and it's the drinking. It's how my dad and, died, and, man. And all, yeah, yeah, and all that. It's like your dad, and I, and um, the thing that uh, that I learned over the years is that uh, you know my mom told me this. And your probably mom thinks the same thing, and said, you know, you can have all the fame, all the money and fame in the world. You could have the women, you can have the going out and have all these great things that happen to you and make them happen and all that. But you know, your health is wealth. That's the key. If you don't have health, you can have eight billion in the bank. But if you don't take care of yourself, you only got one body, one mind. Who cares? Well, I'm broke both ways then because I'm, I'm not in the greatest <laughs> shape in the world. Well, you don't look bad. <laughs> I've seen. Worse. I didn't eat well this week, man. <laughs> You've seen. I worse. ate a lot of pizza and drank a lot of vodka this week. <laughs> it was a cruise ship, though. That's okay, though. We're on a cruise ship and all that. But I'm just, I'm, I'm talking. This is, uh, yeah. This is <laughs> no, that's crazy. true, man. I, I do one thing. I do do now, though, is um, I can joke about the, the pizza and vodka. But uh, <laughs> I'm big on uh, organic food and no GMOs, man. I watch what I eat really really uber closely right now you know what i mean like mm -hmm. i get a lot of i mean as far as diet goes i try to really take care of uh try to take care of what i'm eating yeah you know, there's a lot of crap out there man yeah there is there's yeah it's true I, I gotta watch listen i cheat i do the jack-in-the-box i do the pizzas you know i have my beers and i do all that all that stuff so we all do it um you just gotta do it and you know we don't go crazy with it my dad, my brother's a doctor, and he always said to me, he says, John, you can eat whatever you want. Just cut it in half. <laughs> and and, and just cut it in half and just do it <laughs> and just do it in moderation. It's really. My doctor told me I shouldn't have more than a drink a day. And I said, what if I didn't drink for two weeks and saved it all up and had 14 drinks one night? <laughs> and he said, no. So apparently that doesn't work. <laughs> no. no. It doesn't seem fair. <laughs> oh, my gosh, I know. So now going on to, um, boy, I looked at your credits and uh, on IMDb and everything. It's like, yeah, you had some pretty amazing uh, things with, on, um, do you have any cool stories about working on, uh, you know, Desperate Housewives and True Blood, Veronica Mars, Castle, man. I, you know what? I've been very blessed, man. Like I mentioned, I, I can look back at my all of my roles that I've done, and there's not one thing I, I think to myself, God, I wish I never did that, or I'm so embarrassed about it. You know what I mean? Because as an actor, mm -hmm. especially as a working actor like we are, you get to a point where right. 
you know, you're trying to make a living, and sometimes a role's offered to you, and you're like, like I, years ago, I was offered a role in Chicago for the for the Easter Bunny on a on a on a Empire carpet commercial, and I would have to hop around. <laughs> Are you serious? No, Easter serious. Bunny. I would have to hop around singing a variation <laughs> of the of the of the bunny song, uh, of the. What was that song? The da 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 da. Yeah, yeah, But wear a bunny yeah. costume. Yeah. So I was up for this part. It was between me and another guy, and I never. I'm. I would, the whole time I was like, please, I don't want this part. I really don't want this part. <laughs> I really because if they said you got it, I would be like, I would take it. It's like, damn it, I need the money. I'll do <laughs> exactly. But yeah. I didn't get it, and I was like, yes. I was never happier <laughs> to not get a gig in my entire life. So you're more happy that you did not. get I the part. I was thrilled I did not get. Thrilled the part. to death that he did not get the bunny part. Because I would have took it. There what was what no did your kids say? Yeah, there were no kids at this point. It was just the oh, life of okay, okay, okay. <laughs> And now the kids, now they now the kids give me say, a hard Daddy, time. Why don't you do the bunny thing? Why don't you do the bunny? Come they on. want me to do something. Everything I do, I'm either <laughs> I'm either a, a bad a villain, a bad guy, or I, I play more times than not a lazy cop. Like I was in Southland for a few episodes where I was a oh. really bad cop. And my oldest daughter's like, "Why can't you be a hero?" And I'm like, "Well, because lazy guys pay money for me right now. That's why. <laughs> and if they're gonna pay daddy to be lazy on TV and eat a lot of food and fall asleep and yell, then daddy's gonna eat a lot of food and fall asleep and yell on TV." <laughs> can, you imagine, can you imagine getting paid for being lazy, eating food, and falling asleep? Yeah, I'll do it. Oh my god, take it. Take it, take it. <laughs> oh, but then, then all right. Well, this is a quick story. Yeah. You, I think um, when, we, when we shot Southland, uh, we shot at a place called the Jungle. They shot that on location in L.A. And the DP for the show was this crazy surfer dude. They, they were using red cameras at the time, where oh, they yeah. would shoot something, and there were red cameras everywhere. So they shot everything in real time, and they would tell you not to worry about swearing or anything like that. They would just edit out later. So it was about as raw as he could possibly be in a shoot. So we were shooting. Uh, in the jungle, which is a bad part of L.A. where we go, and they pay actual gang members to be extras in the show. And it's, where, where's the jungle? Where, it's, uh, it, yeah, it's Compton or something? It's No, it's north of Compton. It's right. It's just south of the city off of Washington. I don't know where it's at. If you see the jungle to somebody that shoots, they know. It's in a really bad area of East L.A. or South L.A., wow. like around there. But... Um, and but every episode, every, we shot. We did a riot scene where I shot a kid, and then they rush us and they attack us and all stuff. So and there's so much energy that at, all, me and all the other actors would be standing around. We, <laughs> you're so jacked up after <laughs> right. every shot. Right. But after lunch, we come back and uh, and I'm dressed up in cop gear with the bullet vest and stuff. And uh, they threatened uh, to kill the cops. Some some guy came out threatened to kill the cops. So they actually dragged me off the set because there was a kid there with a gun said he was going to kill all the cops. Oh, my God. Yeah, and so suddenly <laughs> now the real cops are dragging us in the house oh while God. the choppers show up and they drag this kid out of there and they go, they're going to kill the cops. And I'm like, I'm dressed as a cop. I need to go hide somewhere because <laughs> I'm not a cop. Exactly. So but cop. it was an intense shoot, man. It was such an intense uh it was an intense shoot because it was, it was. Was that two years ago you said? Or? That one was, uh, that no, that was the year. No, that was longer. That oh. was because we shot. Southland, it was, Southland was a pretty, pretty big show. It was then. still on NBC when I shot it. And okay. it was right when we shot it, they canceled it. And then it sat in hiatus for a year before TNT brought it that's back. That's right, TNT. And then those, right. shows episode, those shows aired actually a year and a half after I taped them. So this is a long time ago. Wow. Yeah, and it was all, but yeah, it was, a, it was a great show. It was a really great show to work on. But boy, it was an intense show to work on, man. They were. I mean, there were real cops there that were work. They worked with us on our guns, guns and gunplay, and you know, I got to fire guns and work with uh, uh, all these guys. In the so, who's who's like one of the best uh, movie stars or TV stars you, you you've worked with? I mean, you've been around, you know. You know who I really liked. Years. You know who I was the coolest person, nicest story, nicest person 
at uh, the. All right, it's a it's a toss up between uh, the guys on Castle, which is Nathan Fillion and Stana, the leads of that show. Yeah, who yeah. were really great because nice I hung guys. around and talked uh, talked about Halloween with Nathan. He, Nathan's a real science geek. He's a real he's really into that mm-hmm. geek stuff. And I was a huge fan of Firefly, which is a show he was on years ago. And the one regret I have in my entire career is I never talked to him about it because we were busy doing other stuff and I forgot. Mm-hmm. So it's a tie between those two and uh, Mark Harmon when I worked on um, oh. uh, NCIS. Okay. And I didn't NCIS actually work with Mark, but Mark was producing. So Mark and I sat in home base and watched the monitors and I hung out with him all afternoon and just talked. And he, yeah, he, man, seems, he, a, he seems like a nice guy. He's a great guy. He was yeah. a phenomenal yeah. guy to work with. He, they were on a good set. Some sets are, there's a lot of tension, you know, but yeah. the, like both Castle and NCIS were shows, and Bones for that matter, were shows where it was very laid back and it was just, everybody was very cool. Everybody wow. was gracious to be working and nice and helpful. And I mean, we were, I was blessed to work on those shows. So to work with those guys and to see them really get involved in their craft was uh, a really big reward for me mm-hmm. at, at that point mm-hmm. in my career. I think it was just, it was phenomenal. That's incredible. So yeah, you, so you've worked with some pretty amazing uh, people and got some great um, good things. I mean, you, you went from pe- making people laugh, um, you know, and uh, you know, get married and all that, and then you uh, get into some pretty bad things, um, you know, with your brain and bones and your family, your mom and dad and all that. Um, but you got through all that, and uh, you got into some major, great shows, and uh, I'm sure you're going to book some more things. You get to cruise around the whole country, um, on uh, Carnival Cruise Lines. So, what is the best thing, most positive thing that you can say to our listeners? Um, I know you have a blog that you do to call the Transition Blog. Transition time. Transition time? Right. Okay. And uh, one of the best things you said uh, on there and uh, to me is go day by day and enjoy the ride. Right. Yeah. It, the transition time blog, it, it, it kind of looks at the heavy transitions we go through where in you, life. Where can you find that? On your website, right? Yeah, LennySchmidt.com. Lenny if you go to LennySchmidt.com, it, it's right there on my website, and then it says transition time. Um but I, I, I talks about the heavy things you go through in life, divorce, life, birth, parenthood. And looking at life in a grand scheme of things, I'm not where I thought I would be at the age of 50 right now. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, not mm-hmm. any, I'm not there. But mm-hmm. one of the things I think that gets everybody in trouble, got me in trouble for years, was uh, ex- having expectations, high expectations. Right. And, and it's, it's okay to, to try to get somewhere and get ahead and have goals. But if your life revolves around expectations and falling short of those expectations... You're going to be miserable for the rest of your life because yeah. everybody's trying That's to get good somewhere. It's a good point. So, you're right. if you look at the grand scheme of things, I'm really lucky right now. I have a great life, man. I get to work on cruise ships. I get to work on TV shows. I right. do auditions. I'm blessed to work with talented people all the time, and I'm blessed to be able to pick who I want to work with. And that right. that's a really great thing to have. Right. I have two wonderful daughters that I talk to every single day. Right. I have a great life, mm-hmm. you know. And if you look at that part of it, and you accept, you know. I've tried to get somewhere, and where I'm at, it's a pretty good place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a pretty good place. And uh, um, I think everybody gets caught up in trying to get somewhere, and they try to attach things to things that they don't have yet or where they want to go. When if you just realize and stop and live in the moment you're in right now, you, a lot of times you realize things are pretty good right now. Yeah, yeah. You know? That's so true. That's so true. Um, <clears throat> you know, I can't complain about my life either. I mean, uh, um, 
yeah, I had good health, and uh, mom and my brother are still around. And unfortunately, my dad passed away like years, uh, you know, about seven, eight years ago from old age. But other than that, um, you know, I got a lot of projects in the works. I do a lot of videos all the time for an audition. I was in Jersey Boys. I talked about that in my podcast uh, uh, last time. You know, I got to hang out with uh, Christopher Walken and uh, Clint Eastwood and uh, read for a lot of things. I do a lot of funny videos, do my stand up like you do voiceover I wrote a book can't believe I wrote a book I never wrote a book in my life and uh, it ends up being Barnes and Noble you know it's called What's a Little Wind like I mentioned uh, a couple of podcasts ago but um, the whole thing about that book and this whole podcast is to stay positive day by day and it'll all work out you know it's uh, it's all in the perspective of life right right yeah exactly absolutely you know that's the whole thing so if you just keep on looking at that and, uh, I mean, if you shoot, if, yeah, if you sit around, I mean, if you're miserable in a lot of ways, and this does, I want to take away from anybody's pain. And there's a difference too. There's people that are now honestly depressed. I was depressed when I got divorced. Mm, there are yeah. people that are really depressed and really need help, and they should get help or find help. But a lot of times, if you're sitting around and you're miserable over where you're not at in life or where you're not getting, or your your girlfriend broke up with you or whatever, you a lot of times you're choosing to be miserable, man. You can yeah. choose to move on to another level in your life. People hang on to bad things in their life too much. Yeah, that's true. That's and it true. just bogs you down in that negativity. They love being negative, man. People yeah. love being negative. It's so much easier to be negative than the positive. Yeah, it is. It, it, at the beginning, you know? it is. I mean, but then after a while, yeah, I can see that. I, you, know, you get used I, to it. You know, like you said with your ex old roommate, it's hard at the beginning to go a different direction and go, hey, I can't be friends with you anymore because right. this is too much. Right. I'm watching you self destruct, and right. this is not good for right. anybody. Right. It's hard to make that decision. But then as time goes by, you realize that it feels like a weight's been lifted from your shoulders because you may feel empathy for your friend, but, you know, I mean, you got to take care of yourself. You exactly. Know? Exactly. I just couldn't deal with being around them anymore. And I hate being around negative people. And, uh, well, it's not healthy, man. It's not healthy. You know? And I actually, there's some friends, I won't mention names, but they're friends. I'm going to mention them all before we leave. I'll mention every <laughs> I'm throwing every friend over <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> You know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Lenny knows and I know. Yeah, we both know. Yeah, we both know. <laughs> you know? But, uh, yeah, I hate uh, being around negative people and uh, people say that I can't do this, I can't do that. Oh, shut up. Yes, you can. You just got to try. And yeah. Even if you don't succeed, at least you tried. Yeah. That's the whole key. Yeah. That's the whole thing. Make key. the effort. Make the effort. Set goals. Make an effort. Step forward. Exactly. Exactly. Well, is there any uh, one more last uh, bit of uh, advice that you want to give to anybody else before we uh, call it uh, for the end of our podcast here? Um, yes. Exercise. <laughs> That's all I really have. <laughs> should exercise a lot. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Health is wealth again. There you go. There you go. There you go. Well, I want to say, uh, Lenny, it was very nice having you come here. I guess thanks I thanks for inviting you. me, man. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, it's been a long time, man. It's great to catch up. And uh, a lot of these things I didn't know about you. you know, it, this, is, this is amazing. You know, It's really good. So um, I hope everybody had a great time listening. Uh, the whole thing, um, the concept of uh, me being here and uh, Comics Karma is uh, for everyone to laugh when you can. Learn from others and live the life you want. You only have just one life. So thanks again. Again, have a great time. 
uh, I had a great time. Like, hope you have next time come by again. I'm going to again thanks again to Lenny Schmidt, and we will see all, all of you next week. Thanks. Mm-hmm.